Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek, joined by Kyle, a co-host who has never been turned away at the tarmac. How you doing, Kyle? <laughs> that, as far as you know, you don't That's know true. what my That's flight true. history is. If I'm on any <laughs> blacklists anywhere, I'm good, man. It's a uh, it's an NBA Friday. We finally are in the season. If I go home tonight, I can turn on you know League Pass. I can turn on. I don't know if there are ESPN or national TV games yet on Friday nights, but Glad to have basketball back. Glad to have a, uh, a Friday night off to open the season, even though yep. it means Saturday and Sunday we're busy. But I think I'm ready for some Tyrese Maxey talk, yeah. quite frankly. Now they've got Toronto here on Saturday night. Come back for the home opener on Sunday. So it will be a busy weekend. We have a little bit to catch up on on the James Harden saga. We certainly have a lot more thoughts on last night's game. Where would you like to start off this show? Uh, for sure, starting with Maxey, because I – didn't write anything as a follow-up today quite yet, but spent a lot of my time this morning looking at his performance and his night and came away thinking and there really was a, a whole lot that I loved from Tyrese in that game. Mostly, honestly, I think the level of physicality that he played with as yeah. a, a smaller guard as he is. I, you know, We talked a bunch last night, Derek, about Tyrese getting into it with campaign and, and hitting him with the he didn't do the too small but showed him he's too small and then I went back and watched he took it at you know a guy like Malik Beasley who certainly is not a great defender I think we would probably both agree on but I mean for that team he's one of their stronger outside yeah. of Bochamp he might be their strongest perimeter defender which what a sad state of affairs that is but to see Tyrese in transition lower the shoulder and just yeah. go right into that guy's chest. I mean, that's the type of stuff that that's where I think he's going to make the leap forward this year. It's not the playmaking, although the playmaking was better than I thought on first watch, but Tyrese is getting bigger and stronger and more consistent. I just, there was so much to like, I guess what stood out to you. I don't know if you rewatched last sure. night or, yep. or I guess this morning, cause you probably didn't get home until <laughs> 12.30, 1 o'clock. It was 12.30. It was 12.30. Um, no, look, I think 
you know, certainly the passing stood out. It, I agree with you. It was probably a little better than I was expecting. Not or that I, I, I noticed on first watch. Not that it was, again, like truly dynamic, but I thought some of the timing on the pocket passes, especially in the fourth quarter when Joe sort of got going, you know, those aren't the toughest passes in the world to make. It's a little tougher for Tyrese because he's, you know, shorter, a little too short. Uh, and some of those angles that Harden has aren't quite there. But, <clears throat> you know, there's just anticip anticipation, timing, accuracy, uh, a rhythm that I thought he did a better job getting into than he had at various points last year. That will, of course, be something to watch a lot going forward. But just, I mean, the foul drawing, I think, stood out to me. And, you know, you talk about him getting bigger and more physical. It's true. But, like, AI was a generational foul drawer, and he wasn't exactly a bigger physical guy either. There is yeah. a change of direction, a change of speed, um, a willingness to initiate that contact that Maxi hasn't always had in the past when he was looking for his floater or looking for his pull-up. I thought he did a good job of getting people off balance and then exploding into them to get to the free throw line. If he can, again, he's not going to, like, he's not going to go from... Tyrese Maxey to James Harden in either of those two categories, foul drawing or passing overnight. If he can make incremental progress towards that, that would be huge for the Sixers. And I thought he showed, you know, I'm not going to say he's never shown those two aspects of his game in the past, but to show them on opening night and both of them, I thought was encouraging. Here's the other thing, too. I almost think as long as you're strong enough to be able to play through the contact, it can actually be an advantage to be a small guy trying to draw free throws. Because if you look at someone like Giannis, for example, if Giannis lowers his shoulder, and maybe a bad example because he does get when away Giannis with When Giannis lowers his shoulder, Giannis yes. does get away with a lot of stuff. But generally, if you're a bigger dude and you're lowering the boom on somebody and really exerting force, that's a hard thing for an official to mm -hmm. miss. If you're Tyrese Maxey and you're driving at wing size players, even big men, and you exert most, if not all, of your force into a guy as you're going toward the rim, chances are the officials are not going to be able to see, oh, he really blasted that dude. Yeah. That you're simply not going to be able to be strong enough to take a 6'8 guy who's outweighing you by, I don't know, 50 pounds, 75 pounds in some cases. So you're going to be able to either draw fouls or it's going to be a no call. And if you can get through that contact, you're going to have a much easier shot at the rim. So as Tyrese has put on weight, and I think you and I would both agree, since his rookie year, he's definitely bulked up. Sure. You can see the definition in his arms and shoulders that, frankly, you and I probably don't have at this point in our... Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. I have our, probably... Our advanced stages. I have probably bigger arms than Tyrese. It's just not the kind of mass that I would ideally be going for, yes. Yeah, so I, I think that, to me... I mean, if you look at the stat lines, just purely box score watching between him and Lillard, only real difference was the amount of free throws they got. Right. But that was the night where Dame got to the line 17 times. And that's a really uncommon thing mm -hmm. for anybody. So for Tyrese to get into double digits on night one as the featured perimeter guy, I thought that was an awesome, overwhelming positive for him. Yeah, and I mean, Dame's someone who's gotten better at going the free throw line over time as well. Like last year, I'm pretty sure it was a career year in terms of getting to the free throw line. He started off getting there in the three, four, five times per game. Last year, he was up towards 10. He had 17 last night. You can certainly progress towards where you want to go. Tyrese Maxey came in the league as someone who didn't draw very many fouls. Hopefully, this is a early indication that he is taking a step that I think you and I have probably been asking for for the first couple of years of his career um, because getting a couple of easy points would start and just getting the other team in foul trouble, putting pressure on the rim, creating passing up to kick out opportunities. All of that is really important. It becomes easier to do if he 
draws those cheapies. Um, yeah, he had a, it was just a really good game. It was a really good all-around game. And he came out and he struggled a little bit. I like the fact that he bounced back from that early adversity, really turned it on there in the second quarter, and then really turned it on down the stretch. Um, for And especially on a team that, you know, let's face it, what did Joe end the game? 0 for 7, I think, with a couple of really ghastly turnovers. Like, they needed Tyrese to step up. They also needed Kelly Oubre to step up. But Tyrese has a, a, you know, he's a really important part of the future, and for him to respond was great to see. So we have a, a, what I think is a good question from Eric Wetzel in the chat. Who's the ideal type of backcourt partner for Maxi? <laughs> it's so, I'm going to throw a couple weird answers at you. It'd be James Harden if James Harden liked to defend. Right. And if James Harden was like three years earlier in his career. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe someone like DeMar DeRozan if he was a good three-point shooter. <laughs> Essentially, it's somebody... Devin Booker? Devin Booker would be... Yeah. I, I mean, Devin so Booker's a, a Devin perfect Devin Booker's the perfect fit for, for basically everyone, yes. anybody. The point is mostly you want a guy with size who can take the 2-3 the type assignments on defense... You want someone who can space the floor so when Tyrese has the ball in his hands, obviously the floor is spread and he's got the most space to attack as possible. You do also want somebody who's a creative yep. and capable playmaker. So that's where Harden, I think, has really helped out. Actually, Dave in the chat says Drew Holiday. I don't think that's a that's terribly off base. No, I think defensively sure. it's really good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we would have mentioned that when uh, Drew Holiday was on the market for like a day and a half. Uh, I'm pretty sure that came up. You'd probably like a little more proven of a half-court scorer in the playoffs than Drew. Yeah. That's really the only weakness there. But in terms of the size to defend multiple positions, you know, a little bit of playmaking, maybe not an elite playmaker, but a, a good enough that you can run some secondary action or at least help out with the ball handling uh, and somebody who can shoot off the catch. All of that is very true. Essentially, you want somebody who can shoot defend play and make. play off yeah. the ball so and it's you know the guys who make hundreds of millions of dollars to play basketball that's kind of the unfortunate thing about Tyrese being in the the smaller guard package is that you can't put I don't think Derek maybe you disagree depending on the player you can't put another like-sized guard next to him unless that guy is uncommonly good yep. as a, a defender from that spot and even uncommonly good. Like, De'Anthony Milton's uncommonly good for his size. He still has areas where he can be picked on. You would like someone 6'4 to 6'6. Six, six. Like you said, for that sure. can play off the ball, that can play make, that can shoot off the catch, that can create off the dribble. Those players you don't tend to find on the buyout market. It's tough to fill that. That is why we have spent so much gosh darn time talking about Tyrese Maxey developing as a playmaker because it makes the, the fit around him so much easier. We got a Washington Markel Fultz reference. That certainly would be. He's <sighs> just Markel, the idealized version of Markel is the perfect backcourt fit for basically anybody. Yeah. That was kind of the whole gambit with trading up for him is that Ben was this idiosyncratic player that you put Markel next to him, nobody would have really cared about all Ben's weaknesses because you have him focusing on defense and transition play and everything else. And then you get in the half court and it's like, throw Markel the ball and he's going to run 50 pick and rolls a game with Joel, hit him at the nail, hit him by the rim, get him some easy shots. And frankly would have been the captain of the bench offense running the show there, but obviously fell through a trap door on a evil Knievel motorcycle and his career <laughs> was never the same. So yeah, that is certainly a good shout from our guy Kush. 
to be clear, there's been a lot of reporting and pseudo reporting about Marco Fultz and the motorcycle accident that I has never been corroborated. Just, Kyle is yeah. being facetious. It is, yeah, that one. I mean, it, it, when the Sixers, their their chance of being a dynasty was Marco Fultz, and that that is a deep cut that hurts really, really hard. But yes, Maxi was, I think, far and away the story coming from last night, outside of the, the loss, of course. Um, but in terms of positive, Maxi was a story. And honestly, I think when I went back and I rewatched this morning and you get a little bit away from the emotion of the game, and that's probably something we're going to say a lot here as we do a game literally like right when it ends and then another one the day after. You can sort of like pull yourself away from the frustration. That was a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. It looks like this could be a fun team to watch, especially if, if Harden is kept um, at bay. And I think that's a team that's going to win a good amount of games. And it's sort of like we go back to two years ago when it was just, all right, Tyrese and Joe just win enough games so you can get them to the trade deadline and Daryl has a chance to pull a rabbit out of his hat. Now, we all have less confidence that he can do that this time around than a couple of years ago when he was holding on to Ben Simmons and you knew that James Harden was a possibility. Uh, it will be more difficult. But I think they're well, going to win. Well, we didn't know James was a possibility until pretty late in that process, I would say. It wasn't like it was in October, November no, that we're hearing about. No, that's true. But like we knew that there was mutual interest between the two parties if that ever went sideways. Like It seemed like something that was always kind of in the, the back. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. I think it, as down as we are on Ben Simmons now, I think that was viewed as a, more of an asset at the time than yeah. a disgruntled James Harden, a disgruntled 34-year-old James Harden who only wants to go to one team. So I think it's going to be tougher for Daryl to, to repeat that. But if he can find a way to do that, either through one trade or probably more likely two trades, they do have a lot of talent. I think they are going to be well coached. Tyrese Maxey looks poised to take a step. Um, I think they're going to stay afloat and probably be pretty entertaining, maybe more entertaining than a lot of people thought coming in. It's just, can Daryl work his magic? Or, or, or magic in general, because I don't want to necessarily, there's a lot of people down on Daryl, work, work magic in general. You know what else I really liked about that Maxi performance, especially in the second half, is that it felt like him and Joel really settled into a groove together, yeah. playing off one another. And that worked both ways, right? Like, I think Tyrese hitting that pocket pass to him at the nail, that's something that he has said publicly. He worked on a lot yep. throughout the summer that knowing that James was unlikely to play or it was going to be a weird situation at minimum. He spent a lot of time in the gym with Drew Hanlon, with other trainers, with people around him, perfecting that pass, perfecting that read out of those looks. On the other side of it, one of my favorite plays of the night, we did bring it up on the post-game show last night, if you guys happen to miss that. but that Which, how dare you? What are you doing <laughs> here if you did not watch that show last night? But the, it was an attempt at a dribble handoff, I think, but the play along the sidelines, the two-man game with him and Joel, Joel essentially rubbed Malik Beasley off with a by sticking his ass into him. Tyrese is downhill with speed, goes right up Brooke Lopez. And instead of settling for, you know, he's obviously great at those runners, those floaters, those type of shots. To see him get all the way downhill, go at Brooke Lopez, who is a really good rim protector, and score by going strong at the rim, that was really encouraging. And so to see those two who... They certainly are not lacking chemistry, but to see them build what is going to be the most important two-man game of any two guys on the team, that was nice to see on night one in game one against 
one of the teams they're frankly going to have to go through if they want to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to like come out here and blow smoke up your ass and be like, oh, after one game, I think they can beat that team in a playoff series. Yeah. No, I'm not. No one's picking them to go to the finals here. No one's even picking them to go out of the second round. I mean, we both picked them to win 50 games, so it's not like we're even really changing things. It was just a reminder that with Tyrese, with Joel when he rounds into regular season form, with some of the athletes they have, and with, with Nick Nurse, they're going to be entertaining. That's all. Yeah. So let's leave it there for right now. Got to talk to you guys about a couple of our friends, including the good people at Shady Rays. Gear up for the season ahead with quality shades that are built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades. And as Derek knows, because I know he wants to get his hands on them, quick swap snow goggles. That's always a tongue twister for me. I don't know why. And these won't break the bank because Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product just as good as any expensive pair we've worn with durable frames, world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports like Derek, you can come down that mountain, snowboarding, skiing, whatever your pick your poison, and their quick swap snow goggles switch easily from full sun to low light. So changing light conditions will not slow you down on the slopes. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost or broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop. The team always has your back. Personal and fast support. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. We have Eric in the chat saying that you should wear the goggles during the ad read. Sure. When I get my goggles, I'll, I'll wear them. The second we get those goggles, I promise you I will force Derek to wear the ski goggles on the show. I'll tell you what. Snow goggles, I should say. If we can get 100 likes on this video today, will you commit to going uh, skiing or snowboarding? I'm no, no, but no. I'll, I'll consider it. it I'm not going to say that. I'll tell you what, come, yeah. come up with a number, and one day we'll try to get that many likes on a video. Okay, fair enough. I also want to tell you guys about our good I'll friends. Even, I'll even buy you a pair of the snow goggles, all You're right? not my good right? friend as I try to do this read <laughs> right now. Our good friends at Soul Savvy, I don't want you guys to miss out on the biggest sneaker drops, so you need to download the Soul Savvy Drops app immediately. The Drops by Soul Savvy app makes it easy to keep up with all the latest news, releases, raffles, and sales in the sneaker world. It is a one-stop shop for everything sneakers. You get instant notifications on drop alerts so you never miss a release again. Instantly notify whenever your size is available to buy. If anybody's got some nice size 12 sneakers out there, I am always on the hunt for those. There's free raffle management, so keep track of all the raffles that happen in the sneaker world with their raffle tracker, and their accurate release calendar keeps you updated on all upcoming releases. So whether you're a casual buyer or an all-out sneakerhead, Soul Savvy has something for you with three different levels. There's the free basic version, there's Mobile Plus, or there's Premium, which is what I had. Can't say enough about the Premium experience, the, the slack that I'm in with, with the guys at Soul Savvy one-on-one -on -one feedback, DMs from these guys a few days a week saying, hey, how can we help you get this shoe? What are you interested in? Here's what's coming up next week. It's a, a wonderful hands-on experience. And this Saturday, we have a drop alert, October 28th. 
The Air Jordan 12 Cherry drops on Saturday, and the Drops by Soul Savvy app will notify you when and where it's dropping. So download the app, never miss a release. Sign up for Soul Savvy by clicking the links in the description below this video or by visiting links.soulsavvy.com slash PHLY, or you can head over to the App Store and download the Drops by Soul Savvy app right now. And I mean right now. All right, I'm all That's done, good. Derek. You That's sick of hearing my voice yet? No, I mean it's it's good that you're doing that read because like you're you're describing that shoe and those are just words to me. I'm not hip enough Air on the Jordan shoe market. Air Jordan 12s, come on, man. No, but there's there's more. I don't know. I was t tuned out. Yeah, I don't know. You did an ad read. Good job. Yeah. Well, I know. What up to the two minute warning? We do have our Braves friend Larry Jones is back, and he's not talking about the Braves, so that's a real personal growth. I from really want to know the other teams Larry. he roots for. Sixers, Braves, it's got to be the Sixers. I don't. I mean, no, but like, well, like, what? Like, does he have a football team? Does he have a, a, a hockey preference? Like, what? Drop it in the chat. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I'm not even going to give you grief for it. All right. We'll find out eventually. I guess. Do you have other? maxi specific thoughts or any deep dive type thoughts having gone over the tape and, and looked at it a little bit more i'm a little surprised how infrequently the bucks ran uh Giannis dame pick and rolls both just straight up you know uh, dame is ball handler and even some inverted like you know Sixers used to do that a lot with Reddick, just run something with uh, with Dame screening. They didn't go to that as much as I thought because when they did go to that, I thought their spacing was fantastic. Like when you have, you know, Brooke off the ball, able to space, when you have those two in an action and you don't really know how to defend them, uh, Dame had all the room in the world last night, and I think maybe their defensive execution from the Sixers' perspective maybe wasn't as strong in those instances as I thought on the first watch, uh, and I'm just surprised that Milwaukee didn't keep going back to that. Because I'm not sure a Sixers had an answer. To be fair, I'm not sure many teams are going to have an answer for that one. So I was a little surprised at that. And I think the Sixers maybe got off the hook a little bit in that regard. And I just, I, it's a, I, I can't believe they lost the Kelly Uber game. That is, it, it's just one of the great performances that it might be his best performance of the season. I don't even mean that to disparage him. When you score that many points no, on that few you shots. shoot basically 100% right. from the field and play that well. Getting it, that, that kind of boost, like you need, and, and honestly with Giannis struggling like that, it was a little bit of a missed opportunity, a little bit because of the refs, a whole lot because Embiid wasn't yet ready for the season. Um, it, was, it was a tough but encouraging loss. So Larry is revealing, the, or the Braves fan, for anybody listening, Larry says he is a Nets 49ers and Braves fan. That is all over the map. What? Who hurt you? Like, what happened there? And God bless you for having to watch Ben Simmons take fadeaways from eight feet away the rest of this year. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah, to your point. I, I, get, I get the 49ers a little bit. Like, I was a huge, like, Montana to Rice fan. Uh, I was never big enough to make them my team, but, like, I can kind of get that, Jerry I guess. Jerry Rice, man, what a, what a beast he was. Yeah. To the, to the Oubre point, I will say, in spite of the fact that he's not going to shoot that well again, I do think the overall package, you can see him having a decent to very good impact on a lot of nights if he continues on this path that he's on now, right? Like, is probably up to this point, not that it's saying much given the rest of the roster, has been their best cutter so far, the yep. guy who's most active trying to find those slot cuts and scored an N1 layup on one of those type of shots last night. So 
I appreciate that part of his game. I think defensively, again, as I said on the post-game show, a lot of dig downs around the elbow and frankly was better than guys like Tobias in that regard with showing hands and, and pinching somebody like Dame when he was not the on-ball guy on that assignment. So I saw some decent things from him there. Is he going to shoot anywhere as well as he did last night? No, but I do think there are other areas that he was just – when I say okay, it doesn't mean I thought he was disappointing. It just means I think he can have a bigger impact there if he plays more. And if somebody like DeAnthony has a good game where you put DeAnthony yeah. on a guy like Lillard, a smaller scoring guard type guy, and then you have Kelly coming in with help, Kelly coming in on blitzes and things like that, that's when I think his defensive value yes. goes up and up and up. A little overtaxed trying to defend Dame one-on-one on an island, but certainly as a help defender, he can be disruptive. You know, and, you know, we talk about the shots. Like, he's not going to shoot, you know, whatever he shot. Well, I forget exactly what it was. Um, nine for 11 and five for six from three, clearly. But I thought the process to get to those shots was good. Like, yeah. really good. And, you know, we mentioned, I remember one of the questions from uh, the chat earlier on in like a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago, like what would you consider a good point per game average for Kelly Oubre this year? And I basically said like take his per 36 numbers and cut him in half. If he was scoring 22 points per game, per, points per 36 last year, maybe make that, maybe not half, but 14 or 15. I wanted more selection out of him um, to be a little less gun happy about it. Um, and you look up last night and he took 11 shots in 32 minutes. That's a good number. That's yeah. that's being selected. That's attacking when you have a mismatch. That is taking an open shot rather than a contested one. You know, he had oh, – I have numbers right here. He Last year, he averaged 19 shots per 36 minutes. Last night, 12 shots per 36. I think that's fantastic. And if he continues with that mindset, I will, I, I, I will continue to give him praise even if he misses those shots. So to me, what really stood out about Kelly wasn't just that he made the shots, but I, I did appreciate that he had a little more um, of a team-first approach than maybe he has in the past. And I'll say this about him, which this was apparent in the preseason too. You can say this is because he's on a minimum deal and he's got a lot of incentive to do this and new coach, all that. He's playing really hard relative to, I think, his mm -hmm. career standard on both ends of the floor. Yep. I think one of the big problems for, and this is not just a Kelly thing, this is, I would say, average NBA role player. <laughs> this is a problem. Attentiveness, right? It's, it's staying locked in and engaged, not just when you have a Dame-type assignment, but when you're away from the play, when you're on a corner shooter or a guy who's setting a screen, you're executing switches, you're doing things like that. One of Kelly's big problems has just been you know, keeping his head up, staying sure. engaged on that level. And I think he's been one of their more engaged guys on the entire team. And I think that's saying a lot, given that it's on a team with Pat Bev, who, you know, he's a complete maniac in the best possible way. Springer, I think, is certainly at the top of the list in terms of the defensive competitiveness every second that he's on the floor. But I think Kelly is, like, right up there with anybody else so far – Again, as we've said many times, the key for him has not been playing one game, two games, three games, and looking like a really good NBA player. It's sustaining that over weeks and over months. But if he continues to have this approach, if he takes this season and says, I need to reinvent who I am and show teams that I'm worth much more than a minimum contract, yep. and the Sixers are going to reap all the benefits from it. So even if... He's not shooting like that. I just think the mentality that he's shown is the single most important thing. He could have gone 
two for six or two for eight or whatever last night and had a much worse night. But as long as those principles are there, he's going to get plenty of opportunities to prove himself this yep. year. And look, I'm going to remain skeptical. That's not because I hate Kelly so much. I'm just a skeptical person by nature. It takes some effort to move me off of my priors. But what we've seen so far has been about as encouraging as you could be, given we're talking about four preseason games and one regular season game. Yeah. And so two-minute warning in the chat says it's why you would have blitzed Dame at least twice, make someone else make a shot. Leaving Kelly on an island against Dame Lillard, I know he's got the, the length and he can get out there and get a good hand in his face, but... I tend to agree. Like that's that's a situation where just make somebody else beat you. Yeah. I don't care who it is or where it has to be. Just get the ball out of Dame's hands. And look, they tried blitzing Dame earlier on in the game. It did lead to some rotations on the back end that maybe they weren't super crisp in. I think blitzing is a little tougher to do early in the season because you're not on the same yeah. page. That being said, in that very specific instance, like I don't want them blitzing the entire game. I just don't think they're ready to do that as a team. In a couple plays here, I don't and think any team can do that for no, a whole game. I mean, maybe, maybe we brought them up, you know, last night. The Heatles back in their prime, maybe, but that's yeah. a very different monster. Um, one or two plays, sure, just give them a different look, and it might have burned you. But you almost just like die a different way than Dame dropping thirty nine or whatever and getting fouled on four three pointers. Hundred percent. Did, uh, did, did the rewatch soften your stance on Joe at all? Not really. But, again, I, I, we did get into it a little bit last night. I think the biggest problem is just that we all came in expecting this. We saw how he looked in that final mm -hmm. preseason game. Historically, he has been a slow starter. I think he cleaned that up slightly over the last few years. However you want to read into that with injuries and MVP motivation and whatever else – he needs to be better in the upcoming games. I think he will be better, but a lot of this is just the conditioning aspect of it, which I hate to say that. Like, you should be coming in in tip-top shape. He simply is not right yep. now. And the mental focus aspect is what really drove me nuts. Like, that volleyball slap, the more I watch it, the more mad that well, one and makes even, me. Well, even, even – um not just a slap, but then the complete no effort to get back. Uh, and, yeah. and like, I'll be honest, like the, the you know, the, the guys that got back, I forget who it was. They did a pretty good job of, of, you know, standing up that fast break for like two or three seconds. You can't do that when you have an odd man rush. You can't do that for long. You're just trying to buy yourself enough time for maybe your seven foot big man to get back in the yeah. play. He didn't even move. And that's the kind of stuff like, you know, at times Joe feels like a 95% player. Where like, you know, you have a lot of people who maybe have a, a philosophy that you try to get 90, 95% through a project, the last 5%, you're not going to get enough reward to make it worth your time. Joe sort of at times feels like a 95% superstar, where like that 5 cent, that attention to detail just isn't there when you need it. And it's frustrating. And I think last night was probably mostly about conditioning, mostly about being tired, and mostly not being ready for the season to start. But we see that kind of stuff creep up, and it was very frustrating. Espy says, why does it matter if Joel's off in October? Giannis was just as bad. I think the difference was Giannis's Giannis problems were... Giannis is coming were, in with 4% body fat, and he's playing hard the whole game. And also, Giannis's problems were mostly... Joel played some good defense at the yeah. rim in that game, yep. right? Like We can give Joe credit for that. Yes. Giannis's issues are just missing shots, mostly. There was not a lot of, oh, my God, I can't believe Giannis... He took some bad shots, certainly. He took some bad threes early in the shot clock that I think the Sixers were probably doing a, a round of applause there. I just I didn't see the, oh, Giannis is not prepared to play a full NBA game type effort out there. I think that was the, 
the problem for Joe was sustaining it. And people were, the conditioning is not just, it's mostly, he is mentally not sharp enough when he's not in good enough shape yep. to play. And that's where you see the poor passes, the miscommunications, the lazy swipes at balls, the not running back. That stuff adds up. Joe missing free throws, like whatever. That's, I'm not worried about stuff like that at all. But he's the best player on the team. He's the guy who drives them forward. He simply has to be better, period. Yeah. And I, I think he will be better in three weeks. It's just it was a frustrating start for a season that, you know, we've heard all year or all summer, it looks like he's in pretty good shape, and, and he's not. Yeah. Talk about a couple of our friends here, you think? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think you're first up. If I, I am a first up. I'm pulling up my notes. One second. I was did not realize what time it was. But we do have a home opener here on Sunday. Yeah, I think a lot of people still want tickets to that event. You know, like I said, I think it's a pretty entertaining team, especially when you come to the fact that they might not be championship ready right now, but you're probably going to have fun at the Wells Fargo Center. Best place to get that is with Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And with the Game Time guarantee, it means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. With Game Time, you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. With tickets sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, Derek, the ad copy says things are heating up in the ballpark, and we both know that things are cooling down at Citizens Bank Park at this point. But the two teams that are left standing are playing to finish the season strong and see who emerges as the World Series champion as we all lick our wounds here in Philadelphia. But with DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action, and you can still make a little money on the baseball action potentially. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, string together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. L-Y, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Gold Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, age rise by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Some pushback on the Joel criticism. It's like, look, guys, I, I don't think this is going to be a lasting problem. I very much expect Joel to hit his all-NBA 
MVP type form in fairly short order. But to Philly Insider's point here, he's in year eight. This is this is yeah. not exactly like a new kid on the block. Oh my God, he doesn't know what to, how to prepare himself you for the start a, of the season. Right, you should have found an off-season workout program to get you ready for what is a very set date on your calendar. Yeah, I agree. It's, and also, like the passing isn't just a start of the year thing. Like, yes. It's an end of the year thing too. He has a negative assist turnover ratio in the playoffs. Uh, part of that is it becomes much tougher. I do think, like you, when you talk about post scorers, there's really only two high usage post scorers in the NBA for a reason. It's him and Jokic. So it, I think it, it's there's reasons why it's tougher in today's NBA than it ever has been. That being said, the passing has not been good enough. The decision making has not been good enough. The sloppiness has been there when he gets frustrated or tired. These aren't new things. And again, he's fantastic. Like I go back to, were you at Liberty Ballers when we had uh, when he came out in the draft? I believe so. Yeah. I, I remember we had a you know we did like a, a consensus mock draft where we all had our big boards, and the news came out where he had the navicular bone injury, and I was working for Draft Express at the time, and I said, look, I'm keeping him number one even with that uncertainty because I believe in him as a prospect so much. And do I say that to pat my? I think I was the only one who kept him number one. Do I say that to pat myself on the back? Yeah, a little bit. But also to point out that even with my high expectations, he has exceeded them in almost every capacity. I never, when I was scouting him, thought that guy is going to lead the league in scoring multiple years in a row. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic. He was a generational defender. He was getting better by the day. But that leap to being the best scorer, the most dominant scorer in the league, exceeded all expectations, even for those of us like myself who was scouting the draft very heavily for Draft Express at the time, and even for those of us who believed in him to a high degree, this is an edge case lev level of development. That being said, the sort of he's gotten this good and the attention to detail is what's preventing him from being truly one of the most dominant all-time great athletes in the history of the sport and you can acknowledge that he has exceeded expectations and be frustrated that he's not getting the exact most out of what he can do and be the kind of player that the Sixers need him to be if he is truly going to lead them as the top scorer to a championship and the attention to detail includes things like you know your diet, your conditioning, getting ready for the season, and also just becoming better at awareness and recognition and not giving up on plays and body language. Those little things, like I said, might only be 5% of the total package. They were a very crucial 5% when the margins get so tight like the Sixers are in the playoffs. And here's the thing. You bring up attention to detail. You and I both know he watches a ton of basketball independent of the film study and everything else yep. has a great understanding of who he is what's going on in the league everything that's happening and that's why you and i are it's a big part of why you and i hold him to a high standard because he watches everything that Jokic does right he watches every Giannis game he watches every great player around the league he watches how they go about their business and to his great credit both physically and mentally He's been able to replicate a lot of this stuff. Like this guy who's seven feet tall and close to 300 pounds is shooting one-legged Dirk fadeaways and it's operating absurd. from the elbows. Like he clearly has the capacity to take anything he sees and is given to him, is worked on with him, and to improve on it. So for us to be here this deep in his career and we're still saying he's making awful reads as a passer and is mechanical in his what how he's trying to play make from his favorite spots on the floor it's something that hasn't gotten better that i think given everything else he's shown he can do i think that is within 
reason to ask him to get better there. And it's one of the single most important things that has to get better in order for them to win a title. It's not because either Derek and I, we don't sit here criticizing him because we don't think he's a great player. I, I rank, I've taken a lot of shit because I've said he's better than Jokic in the past. And then Jokic goes out and win, wins a title because he improved upon the things and frankly got a better team around him in order to make that final step. I want to see Joe make that final step because we've seen all these other steps that he's taken over the years. And he's frustratingly close to being that guy who can be a title-winning leader. And that's the expectation yep. that he should carry into every single season that he is healthy enough to play in. Yeah. No, it is, it is frustrating because he's fantastic. And like you said, the skill development has truly been just absurdly good like you can never imagine it levels good um he it's it's attention to detail frustrating uh any other stray thoughts on the game or should we get to a hardened update segment oh, we can uh, we can now deep enough into the podcast so we can make people mad with all the various <laughs> hardened related reporting that has gone and on this to be week. fair like i don't think this was a the level of updates that needed to lead off the podcast for um they're relatively minor i guess is there anyone in particular you'd like to start with should we just could go let's we could say, explain the tarmac kyle joke earlier <laughs> like where do you want to go let's let's do chronological so okay. i guess first one is probably woge going on espn on wednesday yep. saying effectively that the clippers have backed away from trade talks I don't think you or I are particularly surprised by this, I think. No, I also don't think it particularly means a lot. Like, when a team yeah. says... Hey, I think Woj even said in the in the update that, like, they may revisit it in the future. When they say, like, all right, we're pausing trade talks, it just means, like, hey, there's no progress being made, so, like, we're going to signal that there's not enough progress being made, and the way we do that is say, we're not engaging anymore. Like, it... Do I think if, if Daryl Morey came to came to the Clippers today and said, hey, I'll take the offer you made, that they'd say, no, we shut these down? Like, no, of course they would take it. Yeah. Um, so if Daryl Morey comes back and maybe backs off, backs off his demands a little bit or if they get desperate, it's sort of like what we've been saying. They need something to change from one side. That hasn't happened. So, like, it's almost like the Clippers' way of saying we don't need to do daily updates on this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and on that front... I absolutely agree. Yes. We probably don't need to do daily updates on this. But unfortunately, with the way the incentives are in the marketplace, we're going to hear about it over and over and over and over again. Now, I said it the other night when I saw Woj's report. Both these teams keep backing away and backing away and backing away. And the gambit at this point, and that's been the gambit the whole time, is that they're both hoping the other team backs up enough that they fall into an open trap door and... We end up in December and the Clippers are at 500 or Joel is maybe injured and the Sixers have cratered without Harden and now they have to deal him at a, a cut rate price. They're both gambling right now that the other side will not be good enough or they'll, they'll be hit by injuries to, frankly, guys that have gotten injured quite a bit throughout their yep. careers that a panic move and, and a changing of the trade talks will happen that is a that is two trapdoor references in one show do you have like a recurring nightmare that we need to know about no i don't no? think i've ever even seen a, a trapdoor in real life yeah, so that, that'd be hard to a couple of comments here in the chat first randy mentioning that there is a sports book that has the bulls as the favorites if it's not the clippers i and appreciate again, you saying a sports book and they're not the our name. sponsor if that's, they want to give us money correct. we'll mention them on air 
That was very deliberate. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, and again, this is saying if it's if if Harden doesn't go to the Clippers, that sports book is saying that the Bulls are the favorite. I think there's a very clear reason. They played one game and had a players-only meeting. It's pretty easy to see that team has a possibility. I still can't get over that. It's so absurd. Combusting. Yes. Um, so I think that's fair uh, because I think there's people are be- basically betting on the Bulls imploding at some point. Uh, there was also another one that I forget. Um, Vinsanity mentioning that Maury needs to not cater to where Harden wants to be traded. I agree with that. The problem is you need another team to also not care about where Harden wants to be traded. And That's are they a willing, little bit trickier. <laughs> right. Are they willing to make that kind of trade without any assurances that Harden would be happy to be there, especially on a guy, again, 34, wants a big contract, last year of his deal. You have to be like, and a guy who's quit on multiple teams, that's a tougher gamble to make than it is like, say, with Dame in Milwaukee. That's the important part, right? It's is not, it's not, I think Maury would happily trade him to wherever will give him the best value. If Daryl Maury was making a deal with another, like a clone of Daryl Maury, that guy would gamble on James Harden just because of the talent basis. Yep, I agree. A lot of GMs across the league, though, look at the volatility that comes with trading for Harden and they say, no thanks, we're not in the James Harden business. So, yeah, I, I think Daryl would absolutely make a trade with whoever's going to give him the best offer. Unfortunately, the amount of teams out there that are going to put stuff on the table that approaches a best offer, with air quotes, yep. is a very small group. And, in fact, it's just one team right now. The Bulls front, too, I think is interesting in that I think there would be a bigger percent chance than most people would think that – if James were to get traded to Chicago and whoever it is, Levine, DeRozan, is getting moved, I would not be shocked if in that scenario Daryl is trying to reroute whether it's Levine or DeRozan yeah. elsewhere to get more of what he wants. Because right. I don't suspect that the Sixers are super high on Levine specifically. Yeah. A lot of that is the contract. Yeah. I could certainly, I could certainly see that. Um, all right, let's take a couple more updates on the Harden front. If you have any questions, drop them in chat. We'll, we will try to get to them there. Before that, a quick word from our final, our final sponsor on the show, Foco. The overall kings. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and it is now into football and tailgating season. And that means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, Foco has. And Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. I want to stick to the Chicago hypothetical for a second. Let's say there's a world where, is DeRozan expiring? What's his contract? I'm doing this live right here. So I want to say he's on the final year of his deal. I feel right? like one of yeah. us should have just known that off. Final year yeah. of his deal. So let's say there's a DeRozan-type trade. I'm looking at this from Chicago's perspective. Is there a backcourt in the league that would be more apathetic on defense than Harden and Zach Levine together? Maybe. Maybe Sacramento. Although Kyrie and Luka, maybe. Yeah. That's close. Although Kyrie from time to time will actually engage. Fox can get after it at times. He's just inconsistent. No, that would be that would certainly be up there. (laughs) 
That would certainly be up there. It's just a funny, I was thinking about that in my head, and, you know, I, there's some bad vibes with Levine. There's a lot of much bad always. vibes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. in Chicago in general at this point. DeRozan is a guy that his reputation amongst players seems to be way, way higher than... Yes the average person so yep. that's a, a different story and he's old you don't know how much more he has left in the tank he's never been the shooter that you want him to be he's gotten better i think as a passer uh, i think better. that was once one he of went the to real... san antonio yeah. that, there was a real leap forward yep. from him as a playmaker i agree and i appreciate that because i do think this team needs more size and more passing you would just like for him to shoot more than like 32 percent from three and over the last couple of years that has been a struggle not only that but it's on exceptionally low volume he's just not a three-point shooter obviously is capable from the mid-range but in terms of a floor space or for Maxi, he's not really it. And, and like I said, he's getting a little older. Uh, I think he's 34 now. So not ideal. And you could definitely see Daryl flipping for what he wants. So uh, I'm going to ask you this because I'm pulling up Chicago no. contracts right now. Would you do, let's say nothing else is involved, would you do Harden for DeRozan and Caruso? Oh, I like Caruso a lot. What's his contract situation like? He is nine and a half million. This it's basically a perfect match. DeRozan's making 28, 28. 28.6 this year. Caruso's at around nine and a half, and he's got a partial guarantee for next season, which I don't think that they would cut him in basically any no. circumstances. Would you do that deal? No yeah. picks, just those two guys. Oh, uh, I really like picks, but I think you can probably get a pick for DeRozan. You had, to, you had to include the no picks, huh? I really like Caruso. I might. Because I think, like, look. Uh, I might. Yeah, I might. Next to Maxi, I, I know that Caruso's not giving you the playmaking, but defensively, that and, guy is an absolute dog. And he can shoot um, at least enough. I like, I like Caruso a lot. He's not an elite shooter, but he can shoot enough. Uh, I probably would, yeah. Here's a. This is going to Because you're getting a lot more production than you would from the Clippers. I think I might take that over just Levine straight up. I really don't like because that contract is is brutal. It's brutal, and his decision making can be brutal. He's op obviously exceptionally talented, and he drops fifty every time he comes into the Farg. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Maybe some loser vibes there too, and I think Joe kind of needs it. Not that I think the Rosen is like Mr. Rah Rah, whatever. I'll tell you what though, he is he is such a diverse shooter that you could see him forming chemistry with Maxi. You could see him forming Levine, chemistry. You're yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Embiid, you could see it. It's working a home out. run swing for sure. I'm just, it's not a contract or a mentality that I'm 100% willing to buy into. I it's, it's interesting at the very least. All right, let's hit a couple more. There are a couple more reports out there this week. One that we, I think, circulated a lot but we didn't get into was Chris Haynes talking about it was like inside James Harden's return to Philadelphia, the headline being that James showed up at the airport tarmac and security was like, you're not on the plane, bro. <laughs> it was like me when Derek and I were trying to fly out to Colorado. I was getting turned away. That's a story for Which another Which is crazy because you were even you were through security. I was at the gate. Yeah. And they were like, hey, your boarding pass is no good. But essentially, James was told, and I believe there was a conversation with Elton yeah. and was Nick. It Nick? I think Elton it was and Nick yeah. was the contingent. It does seem like, at least as far as we know, they were able to keep it professional, and this is not Harden having a complete meltdown that he wasn't allowed on the flight, but does paint it in a way that it's kind of a precarious situation right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah. 
No, and it's just a such a weird report. Like, <laughs> they had a discussion earlier, and they like, Biggie hey. says the Sixers put Harden on a no-fly list. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it was like, you know, the Sixers told him earlier in the day, hey, you're not coming with us on this two-game road trip. Stay here, get back in shape, get a run with the G League guys, whatever. And then, like, a couple hours later, he's just got, like, his bags on the tarmac. Like, hey, guys, I'm coming along. Like, what is It's almost like he was trying to cause a scene and then didn't really follow through with it and just went home. Like, I don't even know what was really... I, I don't get how this happened. That's, I don't listen. And so that was an interesting one. We can probably just move right past that. On the Harden trade front, Jake Fisher had a Harden Sixers story yesterday. Just the the big picture story being that the Sixers seem to be operating just fine without Harden, but there was a nugget in there said that, and this is a direct quote from Jake: "The Sixers' insistence on also receiving man." is just as predicated on the fact that Philadelphia officials learned Los Angeles offered man as part of the Clippers' overtures to land Drew Holiday from the Blazers, as it is the Sixers' valuation of the Florida State product. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to look directly at the camera, and I'm talking to James Harden. Bro, they are not willing to give Terrence Mann up for you, and we're willing to give it up, give him up for Drew Holiday, you should look at yourself in the mirror this deep into your career, having won an MVP award, having accomplished everything there is except win an NBA title, and wonder how the fuck you ended up here and think very carefully about how you're going to act, not just now, not just with the Sixers, but for the rest of your career because the guy who I loved growing up, Allen Iverson, did not realize his time was up until his time was up in the NBA he is too talented to go through all this and not realize that his options are dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And I think James is still a good enough basketball player that he has to get outside of the bullshit and understand you are not the dude anymore and you have to find ways to fit in. This is not a pro Daryl Morey stance. It's not even a pro Sixer stance. I'm just being honest with you. And I hope that the people around you are being honest with you, too. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, he's not. He's A, not going to listen, and B, he wouldn't listen to you, even if he did happen to see it. I don't think James is at that point of his career for the reflection. And also, like we mentioned this when Drew was available, well, why wouldn't the Clippers just go out and get Drew? I think he'd probably be a, a better fit and a safer fit for sure. Well, it turns out turns they're willing out they to did. offer more than more for Drew Holiday than they are for James Harden, and I can't say that they're wrong, in large part because of what you just said. He, he should not be at this point. He is a... I respect the work that James has put in throughout He's his career. He's a lot like enough. Joel, where, like, the skill development, he fucking nailed, and the 5% he has ignored. Get your shit together. That's all I'm going to say. And maybe he has it together. I, like, look, we've gotten good reviews on his professionalism and all that. I get it, but... There is a reason that the Clippers are lowballing the Sixers, and the reason is you. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what it comes Nobody else is to. willing to bet on you. Uh, yeah. One last one mm -hmm. I think we had to get to, right? It was Ian Begley at SNY. Yep. We, Derek and I did talk about the, the Knicks this week and the Keith Pompey report about the potential poo-poo platter they were willing to offer. And <laughs> with the Sixers reporter saying that the Knicks are monitoring things, the New York-based reporter said nothing has changed about Joel's mentality to win and retire in Philadelphia, and the organization believes Joel is committed to competing for a title with the Sixers, finishing his career in Philly. So, Derek, we are really through the looking glass that people in Philly are saying 
James Harden, or not James Harden, Joel Embiid might leave for the Knicks, and people in New York are saying, no fucking chance. Any uh, thoughts? Uh, what are we doing? No, uh, <laughs> look, it, it, it's fascinating. I mentioned that to you where, like, the Philly reporter's like, hey, this is what the Knicks would offer for Joel Embiid, and the Knicks reporter's like, hey, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think that's an interesting dynamic, each going about their jobs in very different ways. Look, I have not gotten any indication that Joel Embiid is focused on anything other than Philadelphia. We've mentioned that before. You always worry that there's a tipping point. I don't think we're there. I don't think we're particularly close. I get the concern. I just don't know why we have to talk about what other teams would offer for the reigning MVP. Just fascinating that a New York reporter is like throwing cold water on it. I just, it's, I find it interesting. That's all. Yeah, so, I, I mean, look, that's where we're at with James. It's everybody is reporting on him more than basically anything else involving the Sixers. We are trying to focus on the rest of it, but until there is a resolution, or not even necessarily a resolution, until he's back on the floor and playing for this team, which I guess at this point we probably both suspect that happens Sunday evening, when people are still coming off the Eagles. I wouldn't suspect anything. I think that that is the first chance it has of happening, yes. <laughs> uh, all right, well, the, the big headline over all this is that nobody knows what's going to happen with James, and all indications are Joel is not going anywhere or thinking about going anywhere for the immediate future. We could say yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. All right, there's probably got like a few minutes left here. I had one holiday-themed question I wanted to ask you. We actually had less time to bullshit yeah. around today than I expected, a lot of Joel chatter. It is Halloween coming up. We're almost there, and we're probably not going to have much time to talk about Halloween stuff. So, Derek, I have one question for you. Favorite scary movie that you've ever seen? I tend to lean more towards like the psychological thriller type, like something like The Shining, I think is more up my alley than a pure, um, you know, pure horror movie. Um, I will say I'll give a shout out to The Omen because they had a scene Ooh, never in, seen that one. in uh, Dorney Park. So I appreciated that. I appreciated watching, uh, I forget which, ah, I forgot the name of the, not Hercules, the one before, it doesn't matter. Um, they had a, a couple of scenes in Dorney Park, so I appreciated that. And I appreciate things like Scream that just kind of like makes fun of just the watched genre. that kind of recently so actually that would certainly be up there um in terms of pure i i did I, like saw is something that will always stick with me not that it's a movie i think i'd ever go back and rewatch, but then i remember the first time watching it being like just blown away <laughs> yeah i don't know blown away just like eyes wide open the entire time really yeah. threw me for a loop um but i would say i'm more psychological than pure horror i was gonna because there is a oh shout out to bo jensen in the chat who named the exact movie I was going to say The Thing is the greatest well unless you count the original Alien which I think is more of a horror movie than a sci-fi movie The Thing is one of my 10 to 15 favorite movies I've ever yeah. seen period I would, I would say one of my problems with Alien not to completely cut you off is that when they went You're to good. the prequels they tried to make it into more of a sci-fi sort of movie and, and, and series uh, and I think that struggled more than just the pure horror I agree with you the first one was more horror based well what's crazy is I think the direct sequel Aliens has a case as one of the best action movies right. of all time so Ridley Scott made essentially one of the best horror movies ever and then James Cameron made one of the best action movies ever in the same movie series now the rest of the movies are complete dog shit I would say most of right. them 
So the thing is way up there. I just, I can't believe I'm saying this, I just for the first time ever watched the original Friday the 13th. Never has a jump scare gotten me as hard as the, if you've ever seen it, there's yeah. one, I won't say where in the movie, but it really got me. So those are really high up there. And I also watched, what the hell's the name of it? Oh, Hereditary recently. Okay. Have you ever seen that one? I have one? not. I have not. That movie is fucked up. So if you're into psychological horror more than I would say, watch Hereditary when you get a chance. That was a uh, quite a spook for me. And I made the mistake of watching it at night in the dark. And it ended at like 1 a.m. I was like, well, I don't really want to. I'm not even someone who gets scared generally. But 1 a.m., I'm just like yep. staring at the ceiling. And uh, Thunder Thunderhawk was a Dorney Park roller coaster that uh, they rode in on The Omen. It was, all right. It was annoying me. We got a lot of, we have some 28 Days Later shout outs. There's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of classics, Halloween, The Exorcist. I love me some John Carpenter, so Halloween is up there for me, for sure. TN says Hereditary is wild, so. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah, that's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah, I don't think we have much else, Derek. That's probably a yep. good spot to end it for today. So shout out to everybody in the chat. I see TN. Vince Sanity, Bo Jensen, Philly Insider, Money Mar, Brian, Two Minute Warning. I think that's probably it. Elliot, we got a lot of people in there. It's always hard to keep track as I'm scrolling through a bunch of comments at the end of the day. But as always, really appreciate you guys being with us, especially so soon after we did the post-game show last night. Everybody who's still here, if you can hit that bell to get notifications, subscribe to the channel, hit the thumbs up button on the way out. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We will be back with you on Monday. Yeah, after the yeah. two games this weekend. We will have more post-game shows coming soon. We're a little light on personnel at the moment. but We are missing a very key member, yes. Yes, so soon we will have post-games after every show. For now, we'll see you after the weekend. Hope you guys get some good candy in your trick-or-treating sessions. I have to say, I think this has been one of the liveliest chats we've had at the end there. We might have to talk about movies more often. It's uh, it's Friday, baby. you got to get into <laughs> some nonsense. So uh, I'll talk to you soon, Derek. Yep, take care.